The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. All right. You've brought a snake. Yeah. Oh, God, he's brought a venomous plus one. Whoa, snake. Massive. What's it called? Don't know, fucking rental snake, innit? It, it is safe, isn't it, Hans? Yeah, it should be. Red next to black. Jump the fuck back, red and yellow, cuddly fella. But red is next to black. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. He's been milked, I should think. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 43, Das Boot. Hi, my name's Laura, and I'll never forgive Orange if they've wiped the twins. And my name is Sean Oliver Nimrod, and I'm a member of a decaying European dynasty. <laughs> How are you doing, Sean? Good. I feel like it's been hours since the last time we talked. I know, yeah. It's not been very long. <laughs> I've got to ask, have you actually got a middle name, or is it really Oliver Nimrod? My middle name, I'm named after my grandfather, Tom, so my middle name is Thomas. Oh, that's that's okay, that's pretty normal. That's, yeah. That. Mine is Susan, so again, nothing too outlandish here either. Yeah, my parents did pretty good uh, making sure we didn't have outlandish middle names. Yeah, I think it's a shame for kids when they've got mad names. We'll talk more about names later, because this comes up in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I feel like it's, uh, in reality, it's, I feel like it's been forever since we've podcasted. Uh, I know that you said that the weather in, I feel like this podcast always ends up turning into like a weather report weather as well. Chat. Yeah, that's, you've been hanging around with the British too long. Yeah, the weather's gone mad here. So on the 1st of March, it was snowing, literally snowing here. And now a mere, what are we, like 50 days later, it's 30 degrees and my husband has sunburn. <laughs> That's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, um, our weather has been similarly crazy, where it went from 70 degrees, which is like 21 Celsius one day, to like negative one Celsius the next day, and then it was back up to like 10 Celsius after that. So yeah, it's been kind of fucking all over the place here. We've got a little expression in England, which is, you don't know what coat to put on, and that is what is going on here. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's been like here. It's uh, if you don't like the weather, wait ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, how did you feel about Dust Boot going in? Uh, so I wasn't particularly excited going in, and as I was watching the episode, I wasn't particularly excited watching it. But uh, you know, it's an episode. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just it's sort of there. It's flabby, I would say. That would be the word I would use for it. It is, I feel like they could have, obviously they couldn't have because they've been commissioned to write six episodes of this series, but I feel like that it could have been cut down, it could have been much tighter. There's a lot of stuff in here that is unnecessary and I'm not bothered by. Yeah, I always just think this episode leaves off in just the weirdest place imaginable. Yeah, I agree with you. It's very strange. And then the next series starts off in a weird place as well, but we'll talk about that next week, but... It's quite. It's it's fine watching them one after the other in the Netflix model, but thinking about it, oh, I must have been pissed off when I watched this originally, and I couldn't just skip to the next episode. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about too when I was uh, finishing this episode, um, where I was just like, "Holy Christ!" Like I'd have been pissed if I was watching that live. Yeah, and I believe I was. I I think I can remember how I felt about it at the time. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so. Uh, let's see here. Anything else? Uh, have you been watching any other 
TV shows lately. So this week, do you want to talk about this now or do you want to talk about this at the end? Are you going to talk about that documentary that you watched? Yes, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that at the end because I'm actually really fascinated because after you posted about it, I looked up some information and was like, wow, fuck, that sounds incredible. Yeah, it so, was really interesting. And also, yeah, we- um, this country's been commissioned for another series, so maybe we could talk about that at the end as well. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, another mm-hmm. series and a movie. And a special, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Okay, okay yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about all that again here in a, <laughs> hopefully not too long. But, um, <laughs> cool. This, right. this might be a shorty. Let's get through this, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, let me do some stretching. Uh, okay. All right. No strip in place. All right. Let's do this. So. so go ahead. No, no. no. <laughs> we, we begin uh, here in the pub with Mark, Sophie, and the Jeff and the JLB crew. And it's clear there is some sort of JLB reunion going on. Yeah. Mark walks in and. He's, you know, excited for the JLB reunion. Although I did think it was weird that Dobby wasn't there. Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, you're right, yeah. she wasn't. I guess she was surplus to this storyline, so yeah. no need for her. Maybe she was off in Kettering or wherever doing IT for other drones. Yeah. Um, Mark uh, looks at Sophie, and Sophie is very, very pregnant at this point, and he thinks, God, she's huge. It's like Alien, if Alien was a human. <laughs> And then he has a thought about, if he had to choose, would would I rather an alien burst out of my chest quickly or is he out of my vagina slowly? And <laughs> Laura, as somebody who has had children, would you rather them burst through your chest quickly or be born the normal way? <laughs> I guess if I'm not going to die from it being bursted out of my chest suddenly, let's just get it over with because <laughs> labor lasts too long, I suppose. But if the option is obviously that I'm going to die from this, which I think I would if it just burst out of my chest, obviously I'll go for the normal way, but I can see, I can see that getting it over quicker would be preferable. Yeah. Uh, Jeff walks up to Mark and he says, I smelled burrito and thought it must be you. And Mark just is, you know, like, Oh, fuck off. Uh, I should mention that Mark is wearing his banditos outfit, the black. uh, um, I think he is right. The black shirt and the red bow tie. Yeah, he's or he's in like a pared down version of that. I think he maybe he's yeah. taken off the yeah. Um, he says that he showered, but corn oil was persistent. Um, in a very sort of snippy fashion. Yeah, um, Jeff kind of spoils it for Mark by telling him that the boy is or that the baby is a boy. Mark kind of doesn't believe him, and he's like, "What? You've seen the skin, and it has no penis, just like his father." And Jeff all of a sudden gets very like, uh polite here and he's like no no mark for for real sophie said yeah and it turns out that sophie did find out the baby was a boy she tried to call mark but he turned his phone off when he saw it was her so that's why he doesn't know um i'm just gonna i know i pick these things apart quite often but i'm just gonna say there's no way she would have just found out it was a boy at this stage that's not when you find out you find out about (laughs) 20 weeks before this but holy christ i didn't even think about that but yeah that's right yeah yeah 16 to 20 weeks when you find out the sex of the baby and i assume she's 37 weeks plus because of what happens at the end of the episode so yeah yeah wow see you're good because i would have never thought of that yeah it's just things like that just annoy me but maybe that's just because i'm at that point where i've spent the last five years having babies and having young children so it's fresh (laughs) in my mind uh, I like when Mark calls the baby a boy bee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a boy bee. Yeah. Uh, Mark is worried that the um, that the lad is going to go boy to geek to drone because that's the typical Corrigan trajectory. Um, 
and then he looks at Sophie and he's like, or um, uh, he looks at Sophie and he just says, you know, wow, a little male person almost makes it seem real, doesn't it? And Sophie just kind of is like, it is real. <laughs> yeah, but I think that Mark hasn't, and I think this is true probably for men that it doesn't quite register until the baby's there that how real it is. But Sophie's like, well, it is real. It's sitting on my bladder kind of thing. Um, but for Mark, this is, you know, this is a revelation. He says it feels about 1% realer now. <laughs> yeah um and then sophie hands mark an envelope and he's just like oh hate mail in person <laughs> and she says no it's an early birthday present and um it's vouchers for driving lessons which i actually think is a very generous gift from yeah, sophie yeah that would be expensive i thought that i thought a, a, a um, accelerated driving course could cost anything up to about sort of 800 pounds so if that's you know if she's bought that for him that's that's a very generous gift Yes, I agree. That is a very generous gift. Um, you know, five hours a day, seven days, and then a test. I mean, like, Christ, that's a very intensive driving course. Mm. So, Yeah, um, she says that you've always said you'd like to drive, um, and now you can, but he isn't as convinced and kind of thinks, yep, yeah, she's given herself a taxi driver for my not-yet-birthday. <laughs> yeah, which I've got to, you know, just be honest with you. Like, we've seen Mark drive. Like, he drove Johnson's car before. And, like, he didn't do too bad driving Johnson's car. I know, but the driving test is quite hard to pass. I'm not sure. I mean, before I had driving lessons, I had made a car go forwards in a, like, a driving range place. But I'm not sure that you could have said I was anywhere near being a driver, so. But what I'm talking about is when he's, like, actually is driving and he's just like stalling it and killing it and he can't get any like sort of true i guess yeah maybe it's nerves yeah Uh, sorry we're getting ahead of ourselves again um so then at this point sophie and mark start to kind of talk about baby names and uh sophie she her first suggestion is tarkin oliver nimrod and mark just he like bursts out laughing and then he gets very serious and he says oh i like it and (laughs) She says, yeah, well, why like, did you oh. laugh? Yeah, and he says, uh, I thought it was a joke. And she says, well, you thought it was a joke, but you like it. And he, he struggles to recover from this one. No, and he just, uh, he's kind of s- stammering. And she says, what would you call him? Mark? Mark Mark Corrigan third, And uh, Mark says, no, of course not. And he suggests the name Bruce. And she's <laughs> she's like, what, Bruce? And he's like, no, not Bruce. And um in uh you know he's like little bruce no not bruce just a name, <laughs> just a like, name bruce. like bruce um i'm confused by the tarquin oliver nimrod thing because if she's serious about that sophie must be much posher than she's given credit for or than her parents suggest i know they live in like a country pile but i wouldn't have her down as someone that would name their child tarquin oliver nimrod tarquin oliver nimrod chapman chapman yeah jesus or i guess corrigan i don't know yeah that's the disaster of a name. I think the baby's name does end up being Chapman, doesn't it? Yeah, Ian, uh, Ian though. Yeah, Ian Chapman. I think it has her surname, not Mark's. Yeah, which I think is a much better name for a child, by the way, Ian. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bruce, again, not sure about that, although one of my friends did consider it for her son, and we all just said, are you on crack? Bruce is not a name <laughs> you can give a baby. If you call the baby Bruce, we won't call it that. So luckily she didn't. She called it Frank. Yeah, um, I don't know if I've ever told you this story before. So um, when my mom was pregnant, she lived in England. And um, the village that she lived in was pretty small. So having, like, a pregnant woman with twins was, like, the talk of the town. 
she was at the pub one night and one of the guys was like oh you know so you know like what are you thinking of naming the the kids the twins and my mom's like oh well, you know if it's if it's two boys i'm gonna go with sean and Bo." and they just thought Bo was like the funniest name ever they were like oh so when he gets mad you can call him crossbow and <laughs> if... to be fair i'd say i think Bo is quite an out there name i have heard of children called Bo, but it's not it's not as usual as sean yeah so uh of course charles and diana was the popular suggestion oh because was, wasn't your mom pregnant there about the time they were getting married yep 81 yeah yeah, yeah. what yeah. was your sister called remind me Lindsay. Lindsay. so she went for sean and so i'd say yeah sean and Lindsay. that's it they're two names that go together i'm not sure about sean and Bo that they do what was she going to call them if it was two girls uh i you know what i never asked her that i'll have to uh i, I will ask out. her yeah i will find out and i will report back on the podcast next week I think it's a shame you weren't called Charles and Diana, though. Oh, my God. I, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like, that would have been, you know, at the at the time, that would have been, like, one of those, like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's oh, that's great. But then when you think about, like, how everything went with Charles and Diana, it'd be like, oh, fuck. Okay, well. You definitely would have ended up in the newspaper, I reckon. If your mum had done that, American woman in English village calls twins <laughs> Charles and Diana, I think you would have definitely made it to a national newspaper. Well, when we went back to that village 16 years later, we went to the store where, um, like, the little furniture store where my mom had bought uh, our bassinet, mm. and this lady was like, oh, you guys must be the twins, and, like, <laughs> remembered us and everything. It was very funny. <laughs> uh, nothing much happens in that village, clearly. Nope, nope. Uh, yeah, the, the same pub, everything was still open. I'm sure probably the same guys were there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, how did uh, Sadie and Esther like how did you and Phil decide on Sadie and Esther so we just sort of it wasn't so Sadie is named not really after but my so my great great grandmother she was called Sadie um, they were Jewish in the East End uh, at that time and it's a really common Jewish name and I'd always liked it so I, it, like I didn't know her and my dad didn't know her but it was a, it was a family name that we knew of um, and then Phil really liked um, Edith for a girl, and I wasn't sure about it. And then I really liked Jessa for a girl, and Phil thought that was really out there because um, she was a character in Girls, and I really thought it was a really nice name. So Sadie was like the name we agreed on in the middle. And then when Esther was being named, uh, we wanted a name that went with Sadie, so we looked up Hebrew names, and Esther was a Hebrew name, and we thought it was really nice and that they went together nicely so that was why if if either of them had been a boy they would have called, been called george after my granddad so we only ever had one boy's name so if we'd had two boys i don't know what we would have called the other one sadie and george <laughs> yeah sadie and george although of course now we've got prince george so it would have just looked like we were copying them oh yeah god damn i didn't even think about that that's yeah. very funny yeah yeah but um i think sadie's gonna marry prince george one day anyway so they will be sadie and george oh yeah does she does she like does she like him she doesn't like him i've just got i've just got high hopes that we can marry her off into the world oh yeah 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 <laughs> well i mean shoot look at who um exactly look everyone they're all marrying commoners these days yeah and there's no one more common than us so we can definitely do this <laughs> <laughs> you just need to find out what school he goes to and just yeah exactly uh, and get sadie in that school way in. yeah yeah Make sure, you know, tell her, you know, don't treat George any differently. Just <laughs> shove him down on the ground, rub dirt in his hair. Like, exactly, yeah. You know, he's just a normal, 
He's just normal a normal person Kate. that we yeah. that we want you to marry and spend the rest <laughs> of your life with. Um, uh, so just... next scene we get we see the um, the driving lessons at least the first lesson, and I gotta tell you, Sophie got ripped the fuck off. Yes, uh, he looks about twelve for a start. The guy who is Mark's driving instructor, and he doesn't seem the most committed to the world of teaching. No, he's like he like sits down in the car, he like fucking lights a cigarette, and you know, and like gets all upset because he's gotta roll the window down and all this stuff. I mean, it's just he's like not really giving Mark any sort of instruction on how to drive, and he's calling him a dick and stuff like that yeah he um he mark thinks that he was hoping for a david attenborough type instructor but instead he's got this chain wanking ringtone fanatic and that is <laughs> that is precisely what he is that is quite right yeah. um what was your experience of learning to drive like did you have a good driving instructor well um so one day my dad was like hey sean let's go we're gonna go out for a drive and i was like oh okay sure and I was probably How like, how old maybe... were you? About twelve, because you're probably allowed to drive in America when you're in your state when you're about thirteen, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> Why do you think that? Is it, he's younger, isn't it? In America, you can drive younger. Uh sixteen. Oh, is it only sixteen? I thought I thought it was fifteen. I have to say. So, no, nope, okay. no. Nope. Okay. If you if you live in rural Kansas, you can get a. If you live in a rural part of town, you can get like a rural driver's license when you're. 15 i think right um now the state that uh, now so it used to be you could get your permit at 15 which means that you could drive but you had to have a licensed driver in the car with you you could get that at 15 and then you could mm -hmm. get your license at 16 but they have since changed it in kansas now where you get your permit at 16 and your driver's license at 17 Oh, okay, that's the same as here then. So, sorry, I was just being rude. You no, were you're fine. Story. Go on. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was like 15 and um, we, drove, we, we, drove, we drove out to a rural part of Kansas. My dad just like pulled over and he got out and he's like, all right, get in. And I was like, what? And he was like, you're going to drive. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, yeah, we drove around in rural Kansas for a while. But honestly... The person who really taught me to drive was my mom. <laughs> Has your mom got more patience than your dad? Was that why? No, it's more that my mom knew how to communicate with me a little, little better than my dad did. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you can be as harsh as you want here because if me and my dad got in a car together, if my dad had tried to teach me to drive, one of us would be dead. Like, there's no <laughs> way on earth that would have ever worked out. Even since I've had a driving license, I've driven my dad probably three times, and he's all, he he's like the worst backseat driver. Tells you how to drive, like make sure you've got both hands on the steering wheel. I'm fine. I could drive a car. Oh. Um, I, 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 if either of my parents had tried to teach me to drive, I don't think it would have ended up oh. been my dad. Christ, no, that would have been terrible. So Mark is like trying to put the car in reverse, and you know the instructor is like. Oh, uh, what did you? Why did you stall it? And Mark's like, "Cause I can't drive." And they have this whole, you know, conversation about, you know, why is this guy kind of being a dick to Mark? And Mark says, "You know, maybe in your career as a driving instructor, you may get one or two pupils from failed states like Eritrea, where they have no licensing infrastructure, but basically already know how to drive." 
However, I feel like I should warn you that the vast majority are going to be like people like me who can't drive and the instructor's like, okay, you know, just keep your wig on. (laughs) Yeah, calm down. Um, I actually, my first, so I had two driving instructors. The first one was exactly like this guy. He was called Les. I don't mind naming him because he was a prick. He was, <laughs> I think I had six lessons with him and he was exactly like this. He he presumed an incredible amount of knowledge and I couldn't drive. I'd, I'd never been behind the wheel of a car until, oh, no, that's not true. I'd like made a car go forward once at the car drone. But other than that, I'd never been behind the wheel of a car and he just assumed like I knew all this stuff and like which pedals were which. And it was like, mate, you're going to have to go right back to the beginning because I know fuck all about driving and I had six lessons with him and they were just an absolute waste of money um but luckily I then found the driving instructor who passed me who was recommended by a friend and he was incredible and passed me in like less than I think I had less than 16 hours in the end and he was just so good um because he could teach he was a teacher and that is the difference between you could you need to be able to do more than just drive a car to be a driving instructor yeah, I agree with you. You definitely do need to know how to, you know, communicate with people, especially considering that, you know, like I said, like Mark said, you know, a lot of these people fucking never have driven before. So mm, Yeah. But then he stalls it again and he asks if they if they teach automatic and the um the instructor laughs at him and uh he decides that he's given up the machines of one and he's going to take to the hills and live with the tree people. Yeah, I like I like that when he just uh you know says like I'm just gonna go live in the hill with the tree people. <laughs> um so next scene we go straight from Mark thinking about the hill people to Jeremy and Elena who have just finished having sex. And, and once again, as in the previous episode, Jeremy is discussing how great they are at it. Yeah. And uh he says that I wish without doing a porno, there was some financial, or there was some way for us to make a financial profit out of how good we are doing it with each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she says that it is amazing. Uh, this whole nightmare is amazing. I love you. You love me. And Gail loves me as well. And it's just, you know, crazy. Um, and he says, or Jeremy says that the downer is that it, it does feel to him as though, her marrying someone else is going to affect their relationship and she and then says it's going to be really horrible for me watching you two tie the knot and she says well you're not going to be there yeah i I know i i don't know why jeremy thought that he was gonna be there (laughs) yeah i don't either that's bizarre yeah yeah i mean he just makes it sound like i i mean obviously i've never had an affair or you know know anything about affairs but the last thing I think I would want to do is invite the person I was having an affair with to my wedding. Exactly. It's just odd, but Jeremy's odd. So we'll take it that this is just part of Jeremy's oddness. Um, Elena then says that she's going to be moving to Quebec. And uh, and then he's sort of like, what are you talking about? And she says, didn't I mention the whole Quebec thing to you? And he's like, no, you definitely did not mention the Quebec thing to me no and he's upset clearly and then sort of placate her sorry placate him he she says that they're having a pre-wedding party for their London friends and he could come to that yeah oh how nice of her to invite him to their you know (laughs) yeah 
yeah, yeah. I'll tag along, shall I, like one of the group, like one of your fans, he says, but then yeah. he does say he will come. Should I follow you on your blog? And, you know, <laughs> she's just like, oh, yeah, that that might be nice. And um, Yeah, she's just completely, it's typical Elena, she's completely clueless. Yeah, and, um, you know, definitely Jeremy is, uh, we did mention that Gail's going to Quebec, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't say that, but yeah, she's going to Quebec. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then Gail mentions that she's going to, or not Gail. uh, Sorry, Gail's not in this scene. Elena, Jesus Christ, um, mentions that they're going to go to Quebec for a few months, and Jeremy is like very upset about this, and um, he thinks that uh, he's definitely going to come to this pre-wedding party, and he's going to steal her passport, and he's going to steal it, cook it, and eat it, so she can't leave. Because yeah. Jeremy is a fucking psycho. <laughs> yeah. Um. In the next scene, we see Mark in a cafe, and I believe you've done some research into this cafe. Yes. Laura, do you think the Silver Service Cafe is still open? Probably not, because there's been a downturn in the economy since then. Well, ma'am, you would be wrong. It is oh, still really? open. Oh, really? Is it still open? Where is it? It's on 16 Bittacy Hill, London, NW7, 1LB. Nice. It looks like quite a nice cafe. I hope that they're still. Uh, I hope that they're still finding success from the one time they were in Peep Show. Yeah, I'm sure that that's where the bulk of their uh, uh, advertising money comes from. <laughs> if we do a live show, we should do it at the Silver Service Cafe. <laughs> yeah, um, he is sitting eating a plate of chips, and he is thinking about how this is a much better spent way to spend his time than having the lesson which he's skipping. And when Sophie goes into labour, he's just going to call a minicab. Uh, yeah, he says that this is a much more productive way spending than spending four hours breathing in his instructor's secondhand smoke. And he says that he's going to write a play, and it's going to be about a bloke, a genius, unrecognized in his own times, maybe named Mark Borrigan. And <laughs> he may even love or hate chips. Yeah, he's really, he's really reached him for the plot of this play, clearly. Yeah. Um, next we go to a country field and the whole crew is out there. This is Elena and Gail's like pre-wedding party for all their London friends. And you know, one thing that I never noticed before until I was taking notes about it is the fucking way Mark is dressed in this scene. Yeah. He's really overdressed, isn't he? He's wearing like a proper shirt, proper trousers, dress shoes. I feel like he was misinformed about what this wedding party was going to involve. Yeah, I mean, I know that Mark is a pretty uptight guy, but I mean, I think even like the most uptight person would realize that wearing like full dress clothing is, you know, not appropriate for this. Bit weird, yeah. Um, Mark's looking around at the people here and he says this is a car crash of a picnic. Gail and Elena's London friends, Thingrel, they must be half hating themselves for having to invite me and half despising me for turning up. Why Um, would they... Why I I don't understand that line. Like, why does he think that Gail and Elena hate him? I guess just because maybe they because they invited Jez because he's friendly with well more than friendly with Elena. Maybe Mark's kind of making the point that they probably didn't really want to invite him, and they thought he probably wouldn't even come if they did. But hey, here he is. Well, you know what I don't understand is why the fuck did they invite Sophie and Superhands? Yeah, I I've got some questions about. Why Sophie and Superhands are there? I mean, unless they said, "Hey, it's okay to bring a plus one," but like, like uh, Hands and like Gail are sitting on a on like a a picnic 
cloth together, like very friendly. It, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's really weird. And Sophie seems to be going to the actual wedding. She, it later turns out, is at the actual wedding and was always going to be there. So I guess that Sophie does in an earlier episode say that Elena's her new dealer. So maybe they've become friends. Maybe oh, super, yeah. Maybe Superhands is also buying his drugs from her. Maybe they're friends. I, I guess we've got to assume a certain level of stuff we don't know about here. Yeah, that's a good... I totally forgot that Sophie does know Elena. Okay, that actually makes more sense now. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, Jeremy is just kind of... Um, uh, Jeremy just is like... He's just being, like, crazy, and he says, you know, anyone fancy a row on a lake? Elena? And she's just like, uh, I don't know. And he's like, come on, it'll be fun. And he grabs Elena, and they head off towards a boat. And then Sophie looks at Mark, and... She, says oh how was the interview and mark's like sorry what and she said oh the job interview you that meant you couldn't come to the antenatal class and mark's like oh yeah yeah right right exactly those that that interview yeah um and she then says in the end jeff came with her to the antenatal classes and mark is appalled by this and says why so we could perfect pictures of ladies breastfeeding and she says no i felt weird going on my own True. I mean, I don't. Uh, that's fine. I don't blame her. No, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna make another. I'm gonna be a nitpicker again about this. Way too late for antenatal classes in her pregnancy if she's that far along. But she has been going to them apparently. Well, I mean, see, I was always under the impression that the baby that she still had like another six weeks of her pregnancy. Yeah, I or guess so. he does later say that, doesn't he? But there's no, they're not behaving as though she's got six weeks to go when she then is in labour. So yeah. it'd be a lot like the like the labour would be much different if she's six months premature or six weeks premature. Whereas she's been they're behaving as though she's gone full term, so Yeah. This is super pedantic. I'm sorry. To, no, to no, no, no. It's yeah, I don't think it's pedantic. Yeah. I mean yeah, I but, think um, that we're I think that you and I are bringing up very strong... Uh, <laughs> we're asking you know. the questions that need to be asked here. Yeah, yeah. we're the fucking hard-hitting questions. But if she's about 30-ish weeks pregnant, then yeah, I guess that makes sense that she'd be at the antenatal classes. So she's at the antenatal classes, but Mark didn't go, which I think was an error, because I think he needs to be prepared for what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think that this is just a, yet another scummy thing that Mark does where, you know not yeah. going to these classes so he can fucking dream about being a goddamn playwright. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Sophie says she's actually now come up with a name she really likes. Uh, and he thinks what fresh hell Spock Mayo Vandross, uh, Mao, sorry, Vandross. And then she says, no, she's set on Jeffrey. Yeah. And Mark is, we get another classic, like Jeff as in Jeff. And <laughs> Sophie goes, Oh, Oh yeah. I guess I, Guess I hadn't thought about that. Shut the fuck up. Of course she did. Like, yeah, but she says it'll be Jeffrey with a G, not a J, after her uncle Jeff. Um, and he says that he thinks in his head that uh, he's created a father vacuum, and Jeff is running straight into it. Yeah, and I could see Jeff being the kind of scumbag to do that too. And I think later on we do see Jeff with Sophie, don't we? And he comes and picks the baby up. So clearly, at some point, they are together. Yeah. Um. Uh. Superhands then says, you know, that I'd leave the naming to the baby mama if I were you. That's what I did. And then, of course, Mark is like, what? You have kids? <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is where, for, for an episode that's so otherwise 
beige and wallpaper-esque, this is probably, I think, one of the funniest bits of Peep Show is when... Super oh, Hans my God, reveals, yes. Yeah, when Superhands reveals that he's got children, he says he's got twins. He's always going on about the bloody twins, isn't he? And Mark says, I don't think you've ever previously mentioned the twins. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's like... He's like, oh, I'm always on about them. I bloody love them too. Here, I've got them on me phone. And he pulls out his phone and he's like, oh, oh, I'll never forgive Orange if they wipe the twins. And I'll be honest with you, this joke did not make any sense to me until I realized that Orange was like a cell phone provider. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, they were the network provider. Uh, he says, this is really shitty. <laughs> he starts talking about his kids and he says that they're really great kids, but they're a bit lazy. They rarely pick up the phone to call their old man. And then um, it's asked how old they are, and he thinks about it, and he says, "What's fünf in English?" <laughs> and then he says that they were fünf zwei years ago, so a couple of eighters, he reckons. And <laughs> um, I bloody love them, and everyone's just looking at him bizarrely. I wonder if Jeremy knew about the twins. Yeah, uh, and then I love this when uh, Mark thinks he's like, "Oh God, is this going to be me? Am I going to be super hands?" Super Mark, the crack-smoking Mexican restaurant waiter with a shirt and a bow tie, but no trousers or pants. <laughs> but um, I do wish that this had become a bit more developed. I would like to have known more about Super Hands and the Twins. Well, what's great is the callback to this in Series yes, 9. Yes, of course, which we'll talk about in Series 9. But yes, that was one of my favorite bits about. Oh my fucking God, when I saw that, when I saw the Twins, I was like, <laughs> yes, this is amazing. <laughs> Um, we then go from that into a scene with Jeremy and Elena by the lake and he is in the boat trying to get Elena to come in god damn he is so pathetic right here he's like come on get in we can go for a row we can have secret rowing boat sex and Elena yeah, and just she's not sure she says he's being really intense which he is I would be worried he's gonna kill her in the boat oh fuck yeah like god damn I cannot believe how intense he's being in this scene it's unreal it's creepy. It's fucking creepy. Really, really creepy. Um, yeah. Then, so, he says, come on. And she, he says, come on, this could be the last time that we're alone together. I can't believe you're just going. And she's like, yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, really weird. That's exactly the word I'd use. Weird, like, come over here and drop your nuts into this deep fat fryer. How weird. And she's just like... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's like, I'm losing my fucking mind over here. Yeah. Um, she uh, Elena apologizes to Jeremy and she says, I didn't expect it, but it turns out that getting married is really romantic. <laughs> and just then, Gal appears and asks if there's room for one more in the boat. Yeah, and uh, Jeremy says, no, not really. And then Elena just says, you know what? You two go without me because I'm not sure I fancy it. Yeah, and Gail uh, says she loves boats, she loves getting in boats. And Jeremy's calling back like, you know what? Actually, there is room for all of us. And Gail gets in, and Elena walks off. Yep, and I like that. I like when uh, Gail like picks the rope up, and she's like, "Chucks away," and he's <laughs> and Jeremy just thinks that's plain, you utter, utter, terrible, stupid dick. And <laughs> <laughs> um, we then go back to the picnic with Mark and Sophie, and Mark has kind of a moment of heartfelt sincerity, and he turns to Sophie and says, "You know what? I just want to let you know I'm going to step up and I'm going to do the right thing, but." The truth of the matter is that I'm scared about this baby. Yeah, he's fucking terrified. He can't sleep. He's got weird mouth ulcers and that weird stress thing he gets with his elbows. <laughs> and, of course, his bowels. Well, you know how normally he's like clockwork. 
<laughs> well, right now he's all over the shop, and Sophie is just kind of like, uh huh, okay. Yeah. Um, but she, he says the headline is that he's doing this, and he's going to drive her in and wheel her out. And she says that's great because the driving just seems like a little thing, but you know it's big to me. Do you think that you're going to pass tomorrow? Because they've got like a ninety-seven percent pass rate. And he's like, yeah, of course, because I definitely did all the lessons. Um, yeah. And what do you thinks- think I did? Watch the frankly overrated The Wire on DVD day after day. <laughs> and he thinks there's always a slim chance that the examiner will pass him because he's gay and inexplicably, inexplicably finds him super hot. <laughs> I really love this little joke here. Especially yes. especially with the driving scene coming up. So Yes, yeah. And we cut back then to the lake with Jeremy and Gail. And Gail's talking to Jeremy as he rows. And she says, you know, it's great to spend some time with you. Because when I first met you, I thought you were a bit of a loser. And he's like, oh, great, yeah. And then she says, you know, now I think you're really all right. Yeah. And she says, you probably don't know this, but Elena and I have had our ups and downs. It's amazing to think we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. Uh, Jeremy wonders if he can maybe make a pass at her. But, you know, he knows she won't be interested, but it might put a spanner in the works. And then Gail just kind of casually mentions, I'm not much of a sailor. I can't actually swim. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then he thinks, oh, really? It would be great if she just fell in the water, a few big bubbles, a few smaller bubbles, and then the problem would be gone. (laughs) And he thinks, oh, I definitely couldn't push her in. And, oh, it would be so much easier if she wasn't a human being with hopes and dreams. And then... (laughs) Clingy, grasping arms. (laughs) (laughs) And then she asks if it's all right to swap round. For some reason, I can't really imagine why they'd be swapping round. But she does. And as she does so, she falls into the water and... Jeremy is shocked and obviously can't believe that he's been thinking it and it happens but then she sort of starts paddling and he's like I thought she said she couldn't swim yeah I love this Uh, he puts his arm out and she like swims over to like paddles (laughs) over to his arm but the funny part was uh, so when we were in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago my brother-in-law and I we were staying on a lake and this lake had a lakeside bar that you could that had a boat landing so you could like paddle in a canoe over to the um over to the um like the bar and when we were paddling back from the bar uh i almost fell into this cold ass fucking lake so doing this exact same thing were you thinking about your gripping grasping arms was that uh, yeah yeah Yeah. well i mean we purposefully stayed close to shore because we didn't have life jackets so i mean the water was about like i don't know three feet deep or something like that but it was probably about the 30 degrees outside negative one degree celsius so it was pretty right. fucking cold. It was cold yeah and that you lake was probably that. even colder so yeah 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 not good but yeah. at least it doesn't look so cold when elaine of um, when gal falls in no no it looks like it's a nice temperate you know, day yeah, yeah yeah temperate day uh, so next scene, we have Mark with his instructor and getting ready to do the driving lesson. And uh, Mark is kind of like, oh, what's my plan here? Touch him up. Let me touch him up. Would either of us enjoy touching the other one at all? And he notices that the um, instructor has a Tottenheim Cockspurs pen. And he's like, oh, a Spurs fan. What, what, what are they called, Sean? The Cockspurs, I thought. It's Tottenham Hotspur, but they're called the, the Spurs. 
Oh, okay. Hold on. Oh, their mascot is a co- is oh Hotspur. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hotspurs. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just I'll just edit that out. <laughs> no, don't. <But> it's great. <laughs> the funniest the funniest fucking part about this is okay. So obviously, I had no. Uh, I don't watch football. Uh, well, I mean, I watch American football, but not proper football. football. Yeah. Um. So I had no idea who the Hotspurs were. I mean, like I figured that this was some sort of football joke but holy fuck so i feel like that i have just seen this football club every fucking where like <laughs> i was watching uh like when i went over to my british cousins when they were here uh when we went over to their place there was a hot spurs game on there was fucking like the hot spurs versus arsenal was trending on twitter oh, last yeah, week you made that tweet didn't you about them yeah 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 so and um, yeah, yeah i just i feel like i just everywhere i've looked this i'm just hearing everything about this team and prior to like a month ago i couldn't have even told knew you nothing about them yeah yeah i knew nothing so, about them my dad's a spurs fan so they're, they're the two teams in north london are spurs and arsenal and um and phil is a big arsenal fan so there's a bit of rivalry there but um so this is a joke that made me laugh. But I enjoy Mark pretending to know anything about the Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. He's like, oh, my knees are killing me. They don't give you much room to maneuver those seats down at the White Hart ground, do they? And he just thinks to himself, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> I mean, that's quite good knowledge for someone who we think knows very little about football. Um, so the instructor asks him to start the vehicle and drive off and join the traffic to the left. And Mark decides he can't actually do this. He's going to have to come come clean so he says look here's the thing i can't actually drive but i really need a driving license so if you could just pass me and then i promise i'll definitely do the lessons later <laughs> yeah it's, i thought this was a good offer you know where he's like hey pass me now and i'll <laughs> do it later um i can imagine though that i i mean i was really really lucky i passed my test first time miraculously but i was older as well I imagine if you get to that point where you either have failed it before or you, you know, you know you're going to fail it. I imagine that it would come into your head to potentially maybe bribe the examiner. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of my friends ever failed driver's ed. I do know of two twins who, one identical twins, who one could drive really well and the other one not so well. And the one that could drive well took both their tests for them. Oh, <laughs> Oh, but they're that's... both fine, and, and neither have ever had an accident. Next scene we get, we are at Gail and Elena, and for some reason they are having a, yet another pre-wedding party. Um, yes, yeah, another one. I, I'm assuming that since tomorrow's the big day, this is, might be the rehearsal dinner? Uh, we don't really have those in this country, but yeah, it oh. could be, yeah. Okay, all right. And uh, Elena says that Gail gets to marry her and her wheat intolerance. Yeah, and uh, Mark thinks, of course, she's too important to tolerate wheat. But then wouldn't that mean that she couldn't eat this felt bread from... Uh... Oh, yeah, good point. Well well spotted. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Gail says that she would like to give a big shout-out to the hero of the hour, the lifesaver, Mr. Jeremy Osborne. And Jeremy is being, like, super humble about this whole thing. Yeah, he's being kind of weirdly humble and um gail's still super grateful and she says she shuffled things around um and there's a spare cottage that's going to be going at the actual wedding so 
if you fancy it, you know, you're my saviour, please come. And he's like, oh, stop going on about it. He's really embarrassed. Yeah, and Mark is like, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you're being very modest about this. Yeah, you're being very unjez about it. And he says that he thought about killing her, and he nearly did kill her. He, he's got psychic, basically, he's got, like, psychic killing powers, and he says, I could kill anyone in this room with a pencil, and Mark's like, you really couldn't. Yeah. Uh, Mark says that he wanted interest rates to fall to historic lows, and they did, but that doesn't make him the governor of the Bank of England. <laughs> yeah. And he says, Jez then says he thinks he's evil. And Mark has a great line here where he says that the absolute worst thing anyone could say about Jez is that he's a selfish moral blank whose lazy cynicism and sneering ironic take on the world encapsulates everything wrong with the generation. But you, my friend, are not evil. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy just says, you know, thanks, thanks man. man. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he then sees, Mark then sees Sophie who comes over and she says, how did the drive-in Tesco and uh, Mark thinks, well, he didn't report me so much for attempted bribery, so pretty well. And Jeff's there. Why is Jeff there? And he immediately says, don't worry. You can always take Sophie to hospital on your bike when she goes into labor. <laughs> yeah, give her a CD. And uh, Mark <laughs> thinks to himself, get off my patch, Jeff. Take your flag out of my baby. Yeah. Um, and then Jeff says it's tough. I mean, you know, I... And then he says, no, actually, I've passed first time. But, you know, oh. Don't get it into double figures. And then Mark says, well, actually, it's fine because I did pass. Yeah. And this is yet again another example of Mark, um, like, uh, lying to save face, but then having the lie blow up in his face. Yes. Um, he says he passed with flying colors and Sophie's really pleased. Um, and he thinks, well, look, I've got a month to retake my test. So, you know. It's it's gonna be fine, and I really, um, sorry, I, really li I really like this this part where he was like, oh, it was quite funny because he said you passed with flying colors, and I was like, well, what does that phrase even mean? And he laughed and said, well, with a test score like that, I would have thought you should know. And then we both laughed, and then in his head, he's like, need to put a stop to this imaginary interchange. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then he asked Sophie if he can have a quick word with her. And she says yes, and she does this little bit where she's like, let's drive over here, and they drive over. <laughs> yeah, she's like, brrrr. And Mark, uh, Mark says to Sophie that he, he'd be basically happy for her to call the baby or whatever, but he doesn't really think he can get on board with Jeff. Yep, yeah, and uh, Sophie is like, you know, I hadn't thought about the whole Jeff-Jeff thing. You know, it might be a bit weird. You're You're doing your bit with driving. Maybe I can do mine. And um, Mark then thinks, while he's looking at Jeff, he thinks to himself, screw you, dickwad, he's my baby. Get your own baby off the inter uh, internet or by impregnating a woman with your penis, just like I did. Yeah. <laughs> we then cut to the next day um, and in the cottage uh, for the wedding, Jeremy and Mark are in the flat and Mark is looking at his suit and thinking about how it's going to be 30 degrees and he's got to wear a morning suit but that it's great to be a wedding guest because you get to be an unpaid extra at the climatic scene of someone else's rom-com yeah jeremy is like laying on this couch and it's he's like pissed drunk and everything and um uh jeremy or mark's like what are you doing it's, it's six in the bloody morning and jeremy says i'm thinking about elena and watching jaws mark wants to know if he's even um been to bed don't you think you've had enough to drink 
Yeah, and he says, oh, that's a thoughtful question. I don't. I don't think I've had enough to drink. I'm going to carry on drinking until they catch Jaws the shark. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mark informs him that the shark isn't called Jaws. The film is called Jaws. And Jeremy's, like, incredulous. And he's like, of course the, sh- the shark's called Jaws. Here comes Jaws. Jaws the shark. Mind he doesn't bite you with his enormous jaws. Which I laughed at because I've never seen Jaws. And I assume the same thing. So I'm under the same misapprehension. Wait, what? You've never seen Jaws? No, I've never seen Jaws. Holy shit. I mean, it's about a shark, right? That's that's all you need to know. Yeah, it's um, it's actually somewhat based on a true story. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in like the 60s or 70s, a great white shark, for whatever reason, decided to swim up a river and, um, yeah, was eating people. So it's not like the whole thing isn't true. I mean, like the shark wasn't like... 70 feet long or whatever fuck it is in Jaws but yeah I mean it's somewhat based on a true story oh, did not know that you see I but I know about as much about it as Jeremy does but at least I've never actually sat and watched it oh um, man <laughs> it's let me put it this way if you're planning on going to swim in the ocean anytime soon I would not recommend watching it but if you don't like swimming in the ocean fucking watch it yeah I don't think I've paddled out anywhere further than the last time I was in the sea was in Wales and probably not a lot of sharks around there. So I think I'd be safe to, to get in the sea, to watch it and not worry about getting in the sea. Yeah, I guess Jaws is probably not a British movie now that I think about no, it. No, no. Um, anyway, Mark then says that he, uh, thank you very much to Jeremy, your phone woke me up. He says, you know what I'm like if I don't get my eight and three quarter hours sleep, which about this bit always wakes me up because of course Mark knows he has to get exactly eight and three quarter hours sleep. Yeah, uh, Jeremy is excited because it's a text from Elena and it says, thinking of you, Jeremy says, she's thinking of me, Mark, or at least she was six hours ago. And he goes, this text has three kisses. Oh my God, this is massive. I'm going over there. Um, Mark says, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. If text kisses were real kisses, the world would be an orgy. (laughs) (laughs) He says, it's the day of her wedding. What are you going to do? And Jeremy says, I don't know what I'm going to do. Who knows what I'm capable of at this point? I mean, I proved that on the lake. And Mark thinks the untalented Mr. Ripley, which got a big <laughs> laugh from me because I hated that film. Have you seen it? Um, I've only seen it once and it was long ass time ago. All I remember is that like it has Matt Damon in it and he's a killer or something like that. Yeah, Jude Law falls off a boat. It's absolute shit, but good, good reference there. Um, yeah. Um, he says he's gonna. Jeremy then says he's gonna get the car keys, and Mark says, "Look, you're way over the limit." And Jeremy says, "No, give me the keys." And when Mark refuses, Jeremy says, "All right, let's let's get you driving then. Uh, I'm gonna teach you." And Mark says that really he doesn't think that Jeremy drunk and him in his pajamas is the best time to restart his driving <laughs> lessons. Yeah, and so Jeremy just says, "Fuck it," and he decides to call a cab. He asks for his best driver in your fastest car. Um, apparently. Two hours is going to be the time it's going to take for somebody to get out there. I don't know how they know it's going to take two hours to get there because Jeremy doesn't tell them where they're at or where they're coming from or uh, where they're going. Maybe it's just that they haven't got any cars for two hours, maybe. So oh, like yeah, when you yeah. phone up a cab company like on a, a mm. busy period or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeremy calls the guy a self-important hick and then he gets <laughs> um, hung up on and he's like, Hello, I retract that last comment. Almost at this point, as if by some magical providence, Sophie calls Mark and says she might be going into labor early, 
Mark is like, oh my god, you're it's early, you're never early, you're always late, always, for everything. <laughs> yeah, um, and she he's he's panicking so he's to relax and she says like i'm with elena and gail but their car won't start and i can't get a taxi gail's gone to find a mechanic but i need to get to the hospital right away so can you come and get me and mark of course is panicking tells jeremy and jeremy's like let's go let's let's, let's go. do it man let's go get her. and um and he said mark then tells sophie that he's coming over yeah i like this where uh jeremy gives him a big like let's do this and mark's like <laughs> we're doing this <laughs> yeah so then jeremy and mark get into the car jeremy's talking about how great this is gail's out i'm in um and mark says look you're gonna need to shut up and and help me here because i'm gonna need a lot of help a hell of a lot of help <laughs> yeah um he starts the car and jeremy says just drive except not like a dick and mark says not like a dick is your driving instruction i need you to guide me and i love this he me. Yeah, I love this. He says, Jeremy, I need you to guide you to advise me. I don't even know about road signs. What does that one mean? And Jeremy's just like, it's a stop sign. Like, it's obvious it's a fucking stop sign. And Jeremy's just like, I don't know. Nobody knows. It's lost knowledge. This got me thinking about whether or not I would know all the road signs if I was tested. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. It's been a long time since I did my theory test. And some of them you just never see in a, in a major conurbation. So I bet there are some that I would be completely confused by. Like, what road sign would you be confused by? I don't know, like the ones they have out in more rural areas. I don't tend to drive anywhere very rural. Oh, I mean, I guess I always just thought there was like stop, yield, you know. I guess I guess the ones that are different are probably obvious, like the ones with like a sheep on. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I would know them all then. Maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit. No, no, I think you'd be fine. I think you'd be fine. Yeah. Um... Uh, Mark almost runs into another car, and then um, Jeremy's just like, oh, fuck off. It's not his fault. He's a dick. He's doing his fucking best, isn't he? This Screw made me, you. This made me laugh, because when I was first driving, I had a similar incident to this. Um, so, or, like, two days after I passed my test, I decided to, like, drive like I was going to drive. And we were going to a shopping centre that involved the M25, but not much of the M25, like, one junction. And I thought I'd be fine because I'd driven that bit before, but I, w I was nervous, clearly. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like I made some glaring error, but some bloke cut me up and like two years on and it was the height of summer and we had all the windows down. And I just remember Phil shouting out, oh, leave her alone. She's only just passed her test. She's trying her best at <laughs> this man. So this, this, this made me laugh a lot. So how old were you when you started driving? 25. I was 25 when I passed my test, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, so... Uh, I'm sorry, maybe you don't want to say this and that's fine. How many times did you take your test? Oh, only once. I never, I just never did it. So I, I've always lived in a city where there's good public transport. We've got the tube. And then I went to university, which was also on the tube. And I had no money to do lessons. So the reason that I ended up doing lessons was because I broke up with my my fiance at the time and we sold our house and I made some money. And I had like a chunk of money to to do it with but until that point i never had like enough money in one go because it cost about i think i spent about two grand total in getting the lessons and the license and things buying a car so it really been that i'd never had the money to lay it out before wow that's crazy yeah i you know i had a friend who in the military who was the same way that he was from a town that had 
public transportation and that really like shocked me when um he was like oh yeah i, I don't know how to drive i was like the fuck like yeah it doesn't it's make quite, any sense it's quite common around here so so phil he's from slightly further out he was born more in more central london than me but he his family then moved out into the countryside and he had learned to drive at 17 because he didn't have much choice like if he wanted to go to sick form and get to college he needed to be able to drive but I just never had anything to push me. And then when I got together with Phil, he said, well, you're a grown-ass woman. You need to learn to drive. Like, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to keep driving you around. So it was Phil, really, that was like, he was, once I had the money, he was the one that pushed me. But my best friend was the same. She learned to drive about, she passed the test about three months before I did. I've got lots of friends that still can't drive. So it is just, I think, coming from somewhere that's got such good public transport. Yeah, see, I couldn't imagine, um, I... I was in a car accident a couple of years ago and my car was totaled in for about a day and a half. I didn't have a car and I was like, Oh my fucking God. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't get anywhere. Like, yeah. I mean, if can't... I didn't have a car here, it would be no problem to get anywhere. Really. It would take me slightly longer to get to work, but not loads longer. And also like, I don't know what car ownership is like in America, but here it's really expensive. Like tax is really expensive insurance is really expensive so actually driving is pretty expensive for shit oh yeah see here it's like fucking nothing yeah so really you've got to have like you've got to have a proper income and until i was 25 i, I wasn't just didn't have the sort of money you need to throw at a car every month yeah see you could probably for about a thousand bucks you could probably get like a halfway a drivable you could probably get a drivable car and then if you just got liability only insurance on it you could probably i don't know insurance would probably be 70 to 100 bucks a month yeah probably. i mean that's nuts like i think insurance for most people is probably twice that like my dad probably only pays that but he's been driving for like 56 years <laughs> so that's yeah. why you know it's um yeah, for most people, like our insurance is twice that, and then we pay road tax as well. So it's just like a massive drain on your resources. Yeah, that's freaking crazy to mm. me, man. Holy yeah. shit. Um, Jeremy is kind of getting Mark to, he tells Mark to step on it. He says this is, could be his last six window ever. And Mark <laughs> thinks, great, I'm the fifth emergency, the fifth emergency service, the sex ambulance. Yeah. Um, they then get as far as to outside Gow and Elena's cottage and Jeremy says there, you see, you can do it very, very slowly. That is 40 stools, one major steering error. Bit of the old uh, clutch on the crossroads when the man beeped, but the, you can do it. And he says he's just going to pop in, persuade Elena not to marry Gail, convince her that I'm the guy for her, quick bit of how's your father, not murder anyone, and then he'll be back in five minutes to go to the hospital. Yep, and uh, um, Sophie kind of like walks out and she's like oh, oh and he's like how are you doing Soph and she's like I think I'm having a baby let's <laughs> go and um Mark is like oh you know maybe we should wait for Jeremy and uh she's like we need to go and Mark is trying to get her to wait for Jeremy but she is not having any of that no she says she wants to go doesn't even actually really want Jeremy to be there so let's let's vamoose and then just as they're thinking about that um <laughs> the um Jeremy runs out of the house 
uh, going mad, saying, getting in the car, going, go, 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 go. And this is what's going on. Gail's coming back. We need to get out of here. Pedal to the metal. And Mark really freaks out and says, don't, like, no need to shout at me. And he stalls the car. Yeah, can we talk about something here real quick? Yeah. Okay, so how long, how much time elapsed between when Jeremy got out of the car and when Jeremy came running out of the house? Like, not even 30 seconds, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, like, I thought this. It wasn't very long. Not long enough for him to have his shirt off. Uh, like his shirt, his pants, his shoes, his <laughs> socks. Like literally, the only thing he has on is his underwear. Yeah, um, it, they probably did need to leave it a little bit more time, didn't they? But it is. It has been less than a minute, definitely. Yeah, and um, uh, Jeremy is like just shouting at Mark, and uh, he's like, "You fucking stalled it!" And Mark is like, "Shouting will not make me a better driver." And Mark, uh, Jeremy, just is yelling like fucking go if gail sees me here everything will be finished yeah and um mark explains to sophie that jeremy and elena are having an affair yeah um and then she's like oh right okay right yeah and <laughs> um jeremy then decides that this is the time to to like put on his calm voice and he's like reverse engage reverse gear go why are you not going you still got the handbrake on you Bring cock and i love that line <laughs> and mark is just freaking out he's going i can't find the biting point i can't find the biting point, the biting point. <laughs> <laughs> and jeremy says why are you indicating don't indicate and mark says i'm indicating to alert road users of my intentions and he's like there's no one else on the road and um and just then he loses his temper with him jeremy loses his temper with mark and just says get out you can't drive and he's like, of course yeah. I can drive. And he's like, no, you can't. No wonder you found your test. You actually div. And Mark's saying, no, you can't because you're drunk. Yeah. And then, um, but even the fact that Jeremy is drunk, Mark still just like willingly lets him gets drive the car. the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he then gets in the car and Jeremy starts driving the car and then Gail appears and, oh, he's trying to kill her again. Yeah, he... He sees her walking up and down the street, and he, like, tries to swerve to miss her, but then almost hits her, yeah. and she, like, dives off the road. Yeah, Mark thinks that this is going to have to be a moment that he recounts in court, but he's already forgotten exactly what happened. <laughs> and he says what happened, and Jeremy says, I did it again, Mark. I tried to kill her. Yeah, and then um, Sophie's like, what? You didn't pass? You were going to drive me, and you can't drive? And... Um, Jeremy's just like, I tried to kill her. I went for her. <laughs> and Sophie's just like, I can't believe you, Mark. Yeah, I can't believe you were going to drive me when you can't drive. Um, and then Gail says, what's going on? Like, why are you here? And he says, Jeremy says, we've been having an affair. We've been having an affair behind your back. And now it's all come out because I keep trying to kill you. Yeah. And uh, Elena's like, oh, Jesus, thank you very much, Jeremy. And then... Um, Sophie says, I really need to go to the hospital, Elena. And then um, Elena looks at Gail and she's like, I'm sorry, but we need to talk. It's a biggie for me, Sophie. It's kind of urgent. <laughs> and Sophie, Elena. Yeah. And Sophie's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then Sophie gets in the car and Mark's like, uh, Sophie, you can't drive yourself. And she says, yeah, well, I'll be safer than with the pissed murderer or the unlicensed liar. Yeah, and then Mark says that we can't leave her. We're going to have to go with her. So Mark says that they'll go with her and they both get in the back and Mark says, I'm right behind you. If you need directions or tissues or anything, don't hesitate to let me know. And he thinks to himself, yeah, tissues and directions are good. 
don't have any yeah. tissues, don't know where we're going, so got those covered. <laughs> yeah, I am a little bit worried about the idea of Sophie in full-on labour driving herself, I have to say, because that was one of the things we were told at our antenatal classes were, if you're having contractions, definitely don't drive a car. Uh, my sister actually had a similar experience where um, um, she was, fuck, I don't know seven ish eight eight ish months pregnant and i was hanging out with my brother-in-law and him and i were like completely completely hammered drunk and the next day my sister was like you know i just realized that if i had had to go to the hospital for something i would have been totally fucked because both <laughs> you guys were way too drunk to drive me yeah there's that yeah that is another thing is like when you're like don't let your partner drink when you're coming up to your due date kind of thing so but, I mean, to be fair, when I was first in labour with both of the girls, I could have easily driven because it doesn't start like that. But if if it did start at that, that intensity, you definitely couldn't drive. So I remember when I was pregnant, when I was in labour with Esther, I was, when I went into the hospital, I was like three centimetres dilated and they told me to go, I had to walk. They told me to go and walk up and down this ring road to, to like, because it was meant to help with the dilation. And at that point, the, the contractions were so bad that I couldn't possibly have driven because every time I had to stop walking because they were so intense. And if you were like that, you'd be a danger to yourself and other road users, definitely. <laughs> but perhaps, Sophie's right, perhaps she would have been less in danger than if she had Mark or Jeremy driver. Yeah. So that was Das Boot. <laughs> and um, that was Series 6. And that was Series 6, yeah. So... On to series seven. Yeah, you mentioned this earlier about the kind of watching it live and how annoying it must have been to for it to break at that point. Um, and I can't really remember, but I definitely thought this time watching it, oh god, I must have been pissed off. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like that they maybe let me look at all the series six episodes. <laughs> series six peep show. Uh. I mean, I feel like that they could have gotten rid of, I don't know, Jeremy and Love? Yeah, I think Jeremy and Love and the next one. What's The, the next Affair? One? Yeah, are basically the same thing. Like, that could have all been condensed down into one episode. Yeah, that that's, okay, yes, that's what I think should have fucking happened, is those two episodes should have been condensed down into one and then Saint Hospital should have been the finale the fi of series. Final, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. That would have made more sense. But yeah, I must have been annoyed, although I don't particularly remember it. Especially <laughs> as every series of Peep Show that happened, there would always be rumours about that they were not going to continue with it because it, because by that point, Mitchell and Webber got too big. And also um, Armstrong and Bain were writing Fresh Meat by that point as well. So I, I think I probably thought, oh shit, they're not going to... This is not going to be how this ends, is it? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't freaking imagine that. Like, if that was the last episode of Peep Show, and that was just how it fucking ended. Yeah, that would have been upsetting. Yeah, that would have been. I, I mean, uh, as as it goes, I mean, I think that the Quan Talking Two kind of had a similar ending, where you know it wasn't people weren't sure if it was going to come back for series nine, and then you just had it sort of and god yeah and we had to wait like three three years was it three years for that that was yeah yeah because when it when it came back for series nine that was like a big deal i remember thinking that oh i thought this was never gonna happen 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you must have been right there with us by that point because you watched series nine live, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah I watched um, I watched series eight about a maybe six seven months after it ended. Yeah, yeah. So I know how long it was because series eight we watched in the fl- flat that me and Phil first lived in together. And then by the time series nine came out, we were married and had a baby and we like, moved house. <laughs> like a lot had happened in that time. And she wasn't a little baby. She was about 18 months old. So I, in fact, I was nearly pregnant with Esther. So I'd nearly moved house, got married, had a baby and nearly got pregnant with another one before the ninth, ninth series of Peep Show happened. So that was a big day. Yeah. Um, so let me think where this episode falls on your list. Yes, I do know because I looked earlier on. I am going to say, have we already discussed 45? Yes. Okay, I'm going to say 40, have we already discussed 46? Yes. Jesus, 47? You're way off, I'm afraid. I've put that. I've put Das Boot at number 27, but looking at it now, I'm not quite sure why I've put it at number 27. Wow, 27? Yeah. Holy it's the most, smokes. It's the most out you've ever been, which makes me think that that was an, not an error, but I don't know I'd put it at number 27 now if I made this list again. But that is where I have put it. So it's bang in the middle, really. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, that's 20, 20 is, I'm pretty far off there. And when I look at you the things par- that are around it, I like those episodes way more. So maybe I was misremembering this. <laughs> <laughs> Were you misremembering? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, that was a great way to wrap up Series 6. Yes. Um, there, we're going to have two episodes out this week because we kind of had a little trouble getting together to record last week so we're going to kind of do a double shot of episodes this week um so yes. we're going to have the wonderful sarah jane on from mastermind um she's american currently living in england and she was on mastermind what about like two months ago month ago month ago yeah not that long ago yeah she's, she's on mastermind about a month ago um talking about peep show so we discussed peep show and have a little surprise for her yes yeah we did um we also i don't know about you but i'm fucking excited that this country is coming back for series three and the special yes i'm so excited so my best friend who i knew would love it she hadn't when the first series came out she literally just had a baby so she was in no state to watch all of this country but she's literally just watched all of series one and all of series two back to back and she loves it and she i've been talking about it with her this week and it's really nice to have someone else who really enjoys it and like seeing it with fresh eyes. And she told me, she read about it in the Radio Times that it had been recommissioned for a special and a 40 minute special and then for a new series for series three. But apparently, word on the street is that's going to be it then. They're going to end it there. That's really sad. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's, maybe it'll, maybe it's better this way. I would rather that they stop it when it's good than just kind of keep beating a dead horse over and over and over. Exactly, I don't want them to run it into the ground, you know, it's, uh, um, but I'm so excited that we're going to have at least another seven episodes of it to watch anyway, so, um, we was, me and my best friend were speculating about this, and I, I, what I really want to see is for Kerry to go to prison for a short amount of time, and for the specials to be about her life in prison. (laughs) 
like just like yeah. a, like a pathetic sentence like 28 days i'd like her to do 28 days inside and for us to see that i think that'd be really funny yeah oh my god that'd be great i would love to see like uh uh, and first, I would like to see like Big Mandy end up in there too. <laughs> yeah, that would be brilliant. You should definitely you should tweet this to um to uh, oh what's his name to Charlie Cooper and see if he uh, see if he takes the idea on. Yeah, like you could have Big Mandy and in, in, uh Carrie B. Sully's. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so funny. <laughs> uh, I love that goddamn show, and uh, I. It- and it doesn't get old. Like series one, I watched over and over again, and I'm now kind of making my way through series two again. And I just, it just has got new bits every time that I haven't seen, and it always makes me laugh. And like, they just, I just love, I love to hate Martin Mucklow, but I love Martin Mucklow so much. Whenever he's in it, it's just a treat. I think he's just brilliant. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're both of them. Charlie and Daisy are both just fantastic. I, I tell you what I really loved at the end of series two was um, Curtin with his job in the bowls club. Yes. Oh my God. It was brilliant. It was so well done the way he was like so proud of working in the bowls club. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I really enjoyed in series two as well was just kind of how the characters, you know, series one, I felt like that the characters like didn't really have their own um, individuality, I guess. I don't know, does that make sense? But mm-hmm. I feel like in series two, we got to see, you know, like, oh, this side of Curtin where he really cares about his, the way he dresses and his appearance and... Yeah, I know um, what you mean. It kind of delved deeper into their, their character traits. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, I don't know. I really just, I think it's such a fantastic show and I'm so happy that uh, the guys over at WTAF are doing as good as they are. Yes, and I can't so. wait to hear what they've got to say about series two as well. Oh yeah, I can't wait either. Um, so the other thing is, is well, and Laura and I have kind of been talking about it, and you know, we're gonna run out of Peep Show episodes in August, so we've been kind of talking about, you know, what are we gonna do next? And Laura, why don't you tell them about what we're gonna do next? Yeah, so Sean's just started to watch the British Inbetweeners, and he's actually stopped now because he's because we've decided that we are gonna talk about. The Inbetweeners, because we think there's going to be quite a bit of material we can get out of that. Obviously, there was a short-lived American version that was a shocker. But it'll be interesting to talk about that as well. And there are the two films. So we think this is going to be a interesting direction for us to go. And also, I think that there is an element of that The Inbetweeners is a clear kind of companion piece to Peep Show. And that there is there are elements of a young Mark in Will, I think. Yeah, yeah, I definitely could see that. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to uh, in August. You know, when we switch over, I'm excited to you know talk about something new and kind of go in a new direction with the show. And you know, we uh, we've hit it off so well that you know, like, fuck it, why not keep going after Peep Show? You know? Yeah, it'd be great for anyone that is uh, that has doesn't know the in betweeners, but is a fan of Peep Show. Um, and has been listening to this podcast to kind of go ahead and and now would be a great time to watch the Inbetweeners. I can't believe that if you are British and haven't been living in a hole for the past 10 years and that you're a fan of Peep Show, I can't believe that you won't have seen the Inbetweeners. If you haven't, it is a great, great show that's, yeah. I'm so, yeah, I'm really excited to actually, um, to uh, get past um, series two and everything. So, like I said, I watched series one in the first episode of series two and I've stopped. And then 
part of the fun of this is going to be me watching these episodes for the first time and getting like a real honest unfiltered reaction to them yeah um, and i'm also really excited to talk about the thing that uh springboarded greg davis into fame because he has become such a massive thing in this country now and i think i spoke a few weeks ago about when you said you were watching the Inbetweeners about his latest stand-up which has just hit netflix and how brilliant it is and how just honestly so funny me and my husband watched it and at points like had to, had to pause it we were laughing so hard so i'm really excited to sort of talk about him and where his, his career has gone and the kind of comedy career that he's carved out for himself yeah um yeah i'm really excited um also i guess one other thing too is we do have series seven coming up and so with a new series means a new intro into the show so if you want to tweet us um with your suggestions for lines to use or anything like that, you know, we are, we are there. And then also, we would also like to thank our Patreon sponsors for again, making sure, making sure this show stays ad free and that you also are paying us. And we really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yep. Laura is going to get a new microphone. Yes, I am going to get a new microphone. I haven't, I have not pulled my finger out of my ass and done that yet, but I do need to get on with that. I will order it at some point this week. Wonderful. Yeah. So thank you again to our Patreon followers. And in uh, series seven for seasons beatings, we're going to have one of our followers, Keelan, on the show with us. So yeah, we are excited about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else to say, Laura? I did just want to talk very briefly about um, the documentary that aired this week. Uh, oh this yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not it's not really a comedy thing, but I think it's something that, especially if you you're in Britain, I think that you would have been aware of this. This week is the 25th anniversary of the murder of schoolboy Stephen Lawrence, and um, as a as a you know to mark the 25th anniversary, the BBC did a three part hour so it was three they were an hour each so it was three hour documentary um about the his murder and the subsequent police investigation which was was anyone that's been in england for the past or in britain for the past 25 years will know about because it was really botched and the metropolitan police were accused of institutional racism and the uh the killers were it took t almost 20 years for anyone to be convicted of the murder um it was really eye-opening. So I live six miles from where the murder took place and I have known about this murder for the whole, you know, I was seven when it happened and I remember hearing about it and it's been something that's been throughout my life I've heard about, but I knew nothing about the boy that was murdered. I knew nothing really about the police investigation. I didn't really know much about his parents. I knew it about it on a really superficial level. And it was, as a white person in London, it was one of the most humbling things that I've ever watched. I was so shocked to find out the facts of this case and that the way the parents were treated and the way the investigation took place and absolutely fair play to the documentary makers who made this because they were incredibly talented and they did a piece with GQ talking about their inspiration for making the documentary, um, which I'll put out on the Twitter because it was a really interesting piece of journalism. Um, but I would say this is essential watching for anybody, anybody, but particularly anyone white who thinks that they're 
liberal and fair-minded and all the things that I think I am and yet I knew so little about this case and has kind of absorbed some of the real institutional racism that had come out as part of the reporting of it and I think Sean it'd be you know if you can get access to it on iPlayer it'd be a really interesting thing for you to watch as well yeah well then I am definitely going to watch it then because it sounds fascinating yeah it was fascinating and his mum um Doreen Lawrence she is a she's now a, a Labour peer in the House of Lords and she um has got a lot of interesting things to say and she wrote a memoir about the case that I've just started reading and I just feel really ashamed that it's taken me this long to kind of sit up and take notice about it and to to take notice of what happened and what utter injustice they they faced as a family so I I really was the kind of documentary that it made me want to write someone a letter like it really did make me want to say that I was so sorry for not realising what a terrible thing had happened to these people and how poorly they were treated by the establishment. Yeah, one of the best bits of documentary making that I've ever seen, let alone seen lately. So yeah, definitely go and watch. We are dealing with similar problems over here in America right now, so... Yeah, I think it's very pertinent. I think, sadly, it's it's very pertinent now, 25 years on as well. There's been a lot of 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 stuff going on in London with stabbings and gang culture and stuff so yeah worth taking notice of at this point yeah oh man on that cheery well, note <laughs> on that cheery fucking note <laughs> i look forward to coming back and talking to you about series seven next week st hospitals i've got so much to say about st hospitals i tell you i was watching it uh yeah oh, when was it earlier in the week and i was just like this is not how labor was so i'm looking forward to talking to you about that next week oh my gosh i'm looking forward to that and you know uh, i know i was kind of down on series six but series seven I that has a lot of episodes in there that I really really fucking enjoy. Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about series seven. Yeah, all right, and with that, this is the L Dude Brothers signing off. Eh, eh. Thank you. Goodbye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of the Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay yeah 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 yeah.